Groovy, man. I love that bumper. It's like last service I was just saying, like, I feel like I need those John Lennon sunglasses when I walk out here with that music with the flowers and everything. Just be like, good morning, church. But anyways, uh, hey, my name is John. It, it, welcome. If it's your first time, I'm glad you're here this morning. Hey, shout out to those of you online. If you're still in your pajamas, let's go. Uh, hopefully we can see you in person soon. Up to you if you wear your pajamas that day too, but we do hope to see you soon. Um, how many of you guys have ever had a headache? Right? Everybody had a headache? Don't, some of you are pointing at your husband, and I just don't appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but so this series, Better is Possible, right? We've been talking about that idea, better is possible. And we really believe that and started off with this quote uh, from Ben Franklin that if better is possible, good isn't good enough. Um, and thankfully, there are some people that thought better is possible when it came to headaches. Um, I just want to run through some of the things that doctors or their equivalents throughout history have done to remedy headaches and just see if any of them sound like they're better than just, you know, taking a Tylenol or something. Um, the first one is sawing, drilling, or scraping at the skull. That's going to get rid of your headache. Um, taking a dead mole and placing it on your head. That's it. That, um, a clay crocodile figurine. You put a piece of grain in its mouth. You put it on your head and you get a piece of linen. You kind of tie it up there. And that's going to get rid of your headache. I have more questions, I feel like, than answers about that one. Um, applying fire to part of the head is going to get rid of your headache. I mean, you definitely would forget about it, right? Um, and then my favorite of all of them is bathing with electric eels is going to get rid of your headache. And you will forget about your headache for sure. I mean, that's legit because everything else will hurt probably way worse than your headache. But we're glad. Somebody thought better was possible when it came to headaches, right? There's medicine. There's all different kinds of, you know, I don't know if you're essential oils, whatever you do. There's different things that are a little bit better than those things. Definitely the scraping, drilling, and sawing at the skull part. But what about some other things in your life? Do you think better is possible for your marriage? Do you think better is possible in some of the relationships that, or any relationship you have in your life? I think a lot of people think better is possible, but they've stopped believing it because, you know, what do we say all the time? It is what it is, man. I don't know. Or we want better, but we just don't know what else to do because it's like we've been trying and trying and we just keep getting the same result. Some don't think better is possible because if we're honest, like we just kind of became okay with things are good enough. You know, it'd be nice not to live paycheck to paycheck, right? But it is what it is. I mean, I don't know. It'd be nice to have a better relationship with my kids or with my parents or with those friends, but I just don't think that's in the cards for me. So, you know, how things are, it just is what it is. I don't really want to mess with anything, you know, the potential of anything getting any worse. Last week, we started this series and we learned that every choice is a chance to write a better story. And so we learned that better choices equal better, right? And so... If better choices leads to better, that's less regrets and just overall better for myself and for all the people around me. And if you weren't here for that last week or, or you missed it or forgot anything, you can listen to our podcast. You can check them out on our website as well. And I'd really encourage you to do that um, if you did miss it because we don't want you just to believe that better is possible by the end of this. We really want you to take those steps and we want to help you kind of find out what that better is because it truly is possible and we really do believe that. One of the biggest reasons I feel like we don't experience better is because we just react, right? So if someone yells at me, I'm just going to yell right back at them. Or if someone's mean, I just, oh, I got a comeback for you. Try me, right? Or if something goes on sale, I mean, I had to buy it. It was on sale, right? 
There's not a whole lot of thinking involved. It was in the dollar section at Target. I couldn't help myself. It's right when I walked in the door. You see how cute this is? Come on. Had to get it. Not a lot of thinking involved in that. What about instead of reacting, what if we just paused, give ourselves the opportunity to search for better or a better word for better wisdom? And see, we search by asking better questions. The one we learned last week, a great question to start with is what is the wise thing to do. And if you're a family, what do you, how do you do this at home, right? You know, our next-gen team, we really want to help your family have better conversations, learn to talk about everyday things in good ways, see things through biblical perspectives. And the challenge is really simple. Over the next 40 days, we want you to have 20 meals together as a family. For those keeping score, that's half the days. Okay, and I'm not saying you have to cook those meals. It can be takeout and it doesn't have to be delivery. It can be DiGiorno. Whatever it is, we just ask that you have those meals together. And we even have a guide for you called the What's for Dinner Guide. Make it super easy for you. It's got questions, different conversation prompts that you have. But if you're a family in this room, think about that. 20 times you're going to have a meal together over the next 40 days. What kind of impact would that have on your family? You can pick up physical copies of this guide um, in our kids' area, or you can get them on our website as well at southpointccc.com kids. Um, and they say, don't meet, how many of you have heard the phrase, don't meet your heroes, right? And they say, yeah, yeah, you don't want to meet your heroes, kid, right? Why is that? These people, they'll be good at sports. They might be super smart. They might be really successful in their career, but they're jerks. Like, yeah, he can score five touchdowns in one game, but when you meet him in person, he doesn't even give you the time of day. Now, sometimes I wonder, like, what is it like to be the child of someone like that? All these thousands or millions of people want to be just like this person, but the people closest to them don't want to be anything like them. They don't even want to be around them. And I think we can think because these people are famous or because they have all this money or whatever it is that they're experiencing better, but a lot of times they might be just as, if not more, desperate to find better just like we can be sometimes. And people even name their kids after these people, right? They name their kids after famous people. It's happened. Um, But what about you? Like, where did your name come from? How did you get your name? And maybe you don't know, but listen to this proverb. It's written more than 3,000 years ago. It's still so true, so true today, sorry. Proverbs 22, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. So parents, parents spend hours that, you know, reading baby name books. They read the articles online. Um, you know, my wife, since probably before we were married, has had a list on her phone, and we, we take away and we add names, and one sounds good at this day, and then the next day it doesn't sound good, right? And you look up, like, what these names mean, because if I don't give my kid a good name, they're going to fail in life. It's not true, right? Thankfully, this proverb isn't talking about your literal name, though. It's talking about integrity. So a good name, that's integrity. Integrity, the quality of being honest or having strong moral principles. The phrase that you hear, it is what it is, a lot of times we use that to excuse behaviors, you know? I don't know if you've heard, well, they're a politician. Of course they have to lie. Well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Boys will be boys. He's a businessman. If he wants to be successful, of course, he's got to fudge the numbers a little bit, right? We compartmentalize what we think better is. Better is being successful even if it means I have to become a jerk. Better is more money even if it means I have to cheat to get it. 
Better is that job or that grade or that relationship or whatever that thing is that I have to become who I'm not to get. Think about this. What do you want more? You want to have a really successful career or do you want your kids to love and respect you? You want to have a lot of money, big house, all the cool toys, or do you want to be financially healthy? And some of you might be thinking, well, why wouldn't I want both of those things? And that's fine. But a lot of times you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to choose between one or the other. And if that decision comes in front of you, what are you going to choose? Or maybe, maybe if I say it differently, but if I say it like this, which one's going to more likely lead to the other? Do you think your great successful career is going to lead to a better marriage? Or do you think your better marriage might lead to great success? So the proverb says a good name or integrity leads to favor, right? In favor, that's like someone does something nice, you didn't deserve it, they do you a favor, right? For me personally, I don't like doing favors for jerks. I just don't. I seem to tend to not want to do that. And I don't know why. I don't usually want to do favors for them. But here's another added benefit to integrity. It's in Proverbs 10. It says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So integrity, like the integrity of a structure, like a bridge or a building, it's pretty indicative of how it's going to be able to go against things that come against it, right? If it's made with low quality materials or poor craftsmanship, it's probably not going to stand firm through a whole lot. And the same is true in life. Integrity leads to favor and being secure. So a good name leads to better. Integrity is one of the most important characteristics that give you a chance for better. And the main component of integrity is honesty. Honesty. Some are thinking, oh, I got that down. I don't have a problem being honest with anybody. I love telling people what I like and what I don't like. It's practically part of my personality, and we know, okay? But your Facebook friends know too. But maybe it's not, oh, I'm really good at telling people what I want and what I don't want, but maybe it's more about the why. Are you able to be honest with yourself about why you want that or don't want that? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you get so offended or mad? Why are you really trying to justify yourself to them? If you pause before you make that purchase, if you pause before you say yes to him or her, before you take that job, before you sign those papers, you have a chance to search for better, a.k.a. wisdom. You ask that question, what is the wise thing to do? After asking this question, you need to realize that in order to find the wise thing to do, you have to be able to be honest with yourself. And sometimes that's hard. It's not easy. You know, do you know who the best salesperson in the world is? It's you. And some of you are like, oh, thank you for recognizing that. Some of you are, don't maybe agree with that. But think about this. Think about some of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life. Sorry if I'm making you think of those things, but that purchase, that relationship, those lies, looking back, you're like, I can't believe I let myself think that. I don't, I knew that was wrong. Why did I do that? How could I not see or recognize how bad of a choice that was? And then you think in every single decision you've ever made in your life, you've sold yourself on that decision. You chose to say that You chose to drink that. You chose to buy that. You chose to do that. You sold yourself on it. The most amazing salesperson ever is right here in your head. 
How do I know that about you? Is because I know it about myself. I'm not calling you a bad person, but I am calling you a sucker. And I've got the best salesperson ever in my head too, which makes me a sucker too. I've suckered myself into making bad choices. I've suckered myself into saying things that weren't right. I've suckered myself into believing things that, let's face it, just weren't true. So if that's true, here's some horrifically amazing insight from one of Jesus' disciples. And maybe you don't want to hear this this morning, and I definitely don't want to hear it, but I think we need to. It's in James chapter 4. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We want something so badly we're willing to kill, and yes, some literally kill, but all of us kill others metaphorically, right? We're willing to lie, say ugly things, deceive, do whatever it takes to get something that we think we want. You know, my wife's called me out on stuff that I said or did that wasn't right, and I knew it wasn't right. But you know what I also know is how many times has she done something and I didn't say a word, I let it slide. And so do I care about the truth in that moment? No, I care about my pride. I care about my own personal sense of justice. Or even if I'm not careful and I really want something or I really want to go do something and I don't check myself, I can think, okay, how do I need to ask? Okay, so maybe she's probably going to say no. So maybe if I just ask her like this or maybe if I, I'll pick a couple things up, pick a couple things up around the house and then I'll go ask her, right? And you kind of like, that's not integrity. That's manipulation. And I'm not just manipulating my wife. Even worse, I'm manipulating myself because... I'm justifying it. I'm justifying the behavior. And that's unfortunate. Because I thought I needed that thing or I thought I really wanted to go do that thing so bad that I was willing to be dishonest or do things that maybe weren't the nicest in order to get that. And the truth is, when you do that, you don't justify, you just lie to yourself and you're lying to everyone else too, trying to make it hurt less or trying to make it seem right. And the scarier truth is, it doesn't take that much lying to yourself, does it? Because you really want it. So it really doesn't take much. Why would I just lie to myself? Well, because I'm afraid of the truth. What if I don't get what I want? What if they don't like me when they learn the truth? What if I don't like having to deal with the truth of what I've done in my past? Truth, it's like a light switch, right? And a lot of us, we like to keep things in the dark. I don't want to have to deal with my part in this relationship or to give up what I want to be true. And here's what God's wisdom is telling us, but it seems like every fiber in my body is trying to deny. Honesty leads to better. There's no win in justifying or just lying to yourself. You have to be able to tell yourself the truth, even if it makes you feel bad about yourself. And I promise you, there are worse things than feeling bad about yourself. You know, nerves are helpful because they tell you when something hurts. When your nerves are damaged, you might feel better, but you're actually causing extreme damage to your body. And so denying something bad about ourselves, it's bad for ourselves. To make the best decisions, we have to be able to make honest decisions. Why is that so, why is that so hard? You know, it seems like that should be easy, right? Why is that so hard? Well, check this out. So, Everyone in the world is trying to avoid or hide this. Everyone, everything, even myself. What do, what do people always tell you? Listen to your heart. 
Just follow your heart. It's never going to lead you wrong. Listen to what God helped a young man realize thousands of years ago in Jeremiah. It says, the heart is is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Listen to your heart. It's deceitful and beyond cure. You want me to listen to that? I don't, probably not, probably not, right? But deceit and dishonesty, they're different. Um, An email that I get from a Saudi Arabian prince who needs five grand to get out of his country and once he gets out, he's gonna flip me double back. It it doesn't happen um, if you get that, but it's dishonest. It's easy to detect. It's obvious that this is a scam. When you tell your parents like 60% of the details about that thing you wanna go to, or you tell your spouse like some of the stuff you're gonna do with your friends when you go out because you want them to say yes, that's deceitful. That's not as easy to detect. See, dishonest people, they're super easy to avoid. But deceitful people are really dangerous. And it says our hearts are not just dishonest, it says they're deceitful. It's kinda like watching a movie or a TV show. You're sitting there and this person's walking towards a room and it's like, you know, don't go in that room. Come on, what are you doing? Why are you going in that room? And then they go in the room and you're yelling at the TV like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? It's easy to see on TV and it's easy to see in other people's lives, but for some reason we can't see it for ourselves because our hearts deceive us all the time. You know, unfortunately, we all have a list of moments that we can look back on and say, I knew better. I don't know why in the world I did that or said that. It's because our hearts can tend to be more deceitful than trustworthy. Our hearts are smart. As soon as I want something, your heart radios to your mind. Operation truck has commenced over. Operation, I want my husband to spend more time with me over. Operation, I want my parents to say yes. I want this guy to like me. And your brain is like, copy that, we're on it, man. And so everything that I think or desire goes from a want to a need. And so if I don't get that, you know, I need to go to that party. I need this person to say yes. I need to buy that thing. And if I don't get it, I'm not okay. Better isn't possible for me because I didn't get what I've convinced myself that I need. And I become like a super magnet. I'm attracting all of these things that are coming to me. This article here and this thing here that all agree with my point. And this one doesn't really totally agree, but I'm going to twist it till it does agree with me. Like it kind of says what I want. All the reviews say this Nintendo Switch is great for the family. We have to buy it trying to justify all these different decisions. And it can be hard to justify something you want, but as soon as I need it, oh, it's easy to sell myself on it. It's easy for you to sell yourself on it too. To buy that, to drink that, to take that out. But they're not reasons, they're justifications. And our heart is deceitful and we're easily deceived by ourselves. You might be a horrible salesperson for others, but the best salesperson to yourself, I mean, think back to your last bad relationship decision. How many of these decisions were made when everyone around you told you no, your mom, your dad said no, all your friends said, don't mess with this guy. What were you doing? What were you thinking? You weren't thinking. You were selling, you were justifying, you were just lying. And you ended up buying something you couldn't afford and you ended up being with somebody that face it, you knew they were trouble. If you want better than this week here, this is what we need to start doing. As soon as you start selling yourself on anything, you need to hit pause and ask this question, am I being honest? Literally, ask yourself out loud. Like maybe you even need to look 
in a mirror to say it. I, we don't realize sometimes, I think, we're not being honest. We're so used to just doing what we want and doing what we always do that we never pause to think and ask this question. Whether or not you think you owe it to anybody else to be honest to them, you owe it to yourself to be honest to you. So ask yourself, am I being honest? Or another way to, to say this, um, if you're not familiar, Andy Stanley asks, when he talks about integrity, he asks this question, am I being honest, comma, really? How can I figure out what the wise thing to do is if I can't or haven't tried to figure out if I'm even being honest with myself? If you want better, then pause before reacting, pause before drinking, pause before signing, pause before yelling. Refuse to argue with your spouse. Refuse to keep being dishonest with yourself. And share some examples of what this would look like for you. And some of these, maybe they'll really hit home and they'll really hit you. And some of them maybe won't. Maybe none of them will. I don't know. But I want to show you an idea of what it's like if you want to be honest so that you can find better, aka wisdom, the wise thing to do. Why do you want to buy that truck or that TV or that outfit? Really? Why do you continue to go out with that person? Really? Why'd you file for divorce? Really? Why are you taking that job or quitting this one? Really? Why'd you move in? Really? What's the real reason you don't talk to your kids? Really? Or your parents? Really? Your siblings? Really? Why don't you tell him or her what's really going on? Really? That's brutal. It won't hurt to know the answer to those questions, but what you don't know or what you won't know or refuse to know, it will hurt you and it'll hurt other people around you. Are you telling yourself the truth or are you just selling yourself on good enough? Because honesty leads to better. Jeremiah said it doesn't come naturally and most things don't. Most accepted good enough. It is what it is. But we're trying to believe better is possible. We want better. We will no longer live and just lie to ourselves about how things really are. Jeremiah also said that we're beyond cure. We can't fix this ourselves, but there's hope. It can be better. Listen to what Jesus said, who he came for and what he came to do. This is in Luke 5. Jesus answered them, those who are well, I have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for the sick, for those that were in need of something. They can't fix on their own. Not only can he help fix our hearts and lead us to a better life, he can lead you to a better eternity. It says our hearts are in need of a cure. They're deceitful and often leading us to hurt others and ourselves. You can't fix it. It's inoperable. But Jesus can. He's not just going to patch it up. He's going to give you a new one. He's not out to condemn you. He's out to save you. And sometimes from yourself your own heart. Are you willing to ask yourself the questions, am I really in need of saving? Am I really in need of help? You know, and if you're ready to say yes to following Jesus today, there's going to be a number and an email on the screen, but there will be people up here 
after this. There will be people here after the service that can talk to you, they can pray with you, they can answer any questions that you have. Don't let another day go by if there's something you really aren't sure of, but maybe you're not there yet. Maybe your next step is just showing up next week where we're going to learn that sometimes less is better than more. Or maybe your next step is inviting someone to come with you next week. I don't know what that is for you. Whatever that next step is for you, I encourage you to take it. Because you just never know an invitation to somebody making that decision that, yeah, I came last week and it was all right and I'm going to come this week again. You just never know what that could do for your life. It's crazy, just those smallest decisions, the big impacts they can make on you. And as we kind of shift from this moment of teaching into a time of communion, you know, I, if you're a believer in this room, this is a time where Jesus died for our sins on the cross and, you know, at the supper with his disciples, he told them to do this in remembrance of me and the bread represents his body and the juice represent his blood. We do this to remember the sacrifice he made for our forgiveness of our sins. If you're not a believer in this room, just take this moment to reflect. You know, ponder on some of the things you heard this morning. Say a prayer. Like I said, there will be people up here that will be able to talk to you. I'm going to pray for us. Hey God, I just thank you for, just thank you that better is, is a real thing and that when I make bad choices, that they don't always have to be final, that there's, there's room to correct, there's room for better. You have hope that we can follow. Just thank you for the gift of your son, um, something we never could do on our own, God. Um, I don't know what anyone here is, is dealing with. I don't know what's on their heart or on their mind, God. I just, I lift those things to you and I just ask that your presence is overwhelming to them and that there's no question that you're there. They don't have to question that you're there because we know you're, you are. And I just ask that you know, everyone return home safely, pray for health over everybody. It's all these things in your son's name we pray. Amen.